Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in this week for Noble Relating. Uh, I've had a special guest on um, this week. I had a little bit of an audio issue. I'm not sure what happened towards the end of the recording, uh, maybe like the last few minutes, but um, things got a little choppy. I edited it out as best I could, um, but I still think that lady, my guest, did a really good job, so I want to keep um, as much of it as I could. So uh, please enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone. This is Noble of Noble Relating, the podcast of the new paradigm. Back again with another episode with a beautiful, gorgeous guest of mine. Uh, this is a lady uh, that I had the pleasure of meeting in L.A. briefly. And um, I reached out to her just to see if she'd be interested in doing this for me. She, if she was available. She's blessed me with her presence. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, everybody welcome uh, Fee Heyman. Hi. Hi, everybody. How you doing, darling? It's good to um, have you on. I really appreciate you doing this. You know what? It's good to be here. And it's funny because I actually um, mentioned your name to someone today for coaching. So it's just so weird that you reached out today, but I'm happy to be here. Oh, well, thank you. Um, thanks for the referral uh, also. I appreciate that. Well, of course. Um, well, first, let's kind of just jump into it. Um, and today we're going to be talking about trusting the masculine. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this, uh, or talk to another mm-hmm. woman about this, is, is this is actually something that I'm kind of centering my coaching around. Uh-huh. Um, to help women to trust the masculine again. Yeah. Um, to understand what they can manifest what they want. And mm-hmm. just like understanding again what that takes, because we all need to do work in order to get what we want. Like we can't just get it because we exist, <laughs> you know? Right, right. I understand that. Right. So, um, let me just start off with a little bit of background because I personally don't know a lot about you and just for mm-hmm. the to know you on uh, themselves. Um, could you, would you mind just telling us your status? Like, are you married? Are you poly dating? Yes, I'm, I'm married. I'm poly. Um, been poly for the last three years, been practicing polyamory for the last three years. We've been married for 14 years altogether. So, oh, wow. So you're really yeah. kind of new. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty new, but I'm loving it. So, <laughs> right. So it's going well for you guys. Now, what's your setup? Are you are you both able to date and be and, and be with other people, or? Um, we are. Well, he he says that he's monogamous, okay. and so um, when we initially did our agreement, our first agreement, I wanted a boyfriend, mm-hmm. and we agreed that the boyfriend would not be local, and mm-hmm. that I would see him four to five times a year for mm-hmm. you know short periods of time that we wouldn't do any major holidays together you know but then as time went on as you know when you're working through these types of arrangements and agreements different things happen and so yeah. we've had setbacks we've had everything that happens in any relationship has happened right <laughs> and so um yeah so so right now we are we are just kind of i think we're just kind of hitting our stride you know, with with Polly right now, just kind of accepting that this is natural. This this does make us happier. It just takes so long to like unpeel everything that we've learned about how relationships are supposed to go. Mm. So it's it's been challenging, but it's been nothing but growth in the process. 
So I'm really happy about that. Okay. Um, so may I ask, like, what drew you to Polly in the first place? What made it something that you, you know, were considering or wanted mm-hmm. to? Well, know? I've always, I've always been Polly. I just okay. didn't know that Polly was a thing. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have always been monogamish. And my rule was, well, my, my thought was that every man was going to cheat and mm-hmm. I was going to let him go first. But once he went first, it was a contest. Got it. And yeah, and I would win the contest, you know, and it would just be, I mean, it was just silliness. It was a whole total waste of time. Mm-hmm. No protocols, no rules to go by. So um, a lot of relationships that were really meaningful, I let go of because I just didn't have any protocol to follow to figure out how to make it work. So when I stumbled upon Kenya and Kim. Uh, and, and Kenya said, you can you can basically keep all of your people. I was like, okay, this is the ride I want to ride right here. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, so um, I've always, to answer your question, I've always been polyamorous, as I believe most people are. I was miserably polyamorous because when the, rela- when the monogamous relationships goes through its twists and turns that take the most out of you, um, I didn't know what to do. And so what I did was shriveled up and withered away. And um, so Polly brought me back to life. You know, it just it just showed me that I don't have to not have love, not have, you know, infatuation, not have butterflies, not have everything that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I am, Polly is the way to go. I can be honest. I can, you know, I can be soothed I can have everything that I need I can support you know my people in having what they need it just seems like the right way to go for me mm-hmm. that's amazing so, yeah so um in 2018 is when I told my husband that I either needed a divorce or a boyfriend mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. said you know it was right at that 10-year mark and it's funny because I remember Kenya saying that she wouldn't work with anyone who hadn't been married for more than 10 years Right. So I guess she knows that that's the breaking point. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I just told them, hey, I don't I don't want to lie anymore. I don't want to I don't want to sneak. Our magnetism has diminished. I don't know if it'll ever come back. I'm not completely counting it out, but it's not here right now due to everything that happens over the mm-hmm. course of a 10 year tenure relationship, especially mm-hmm. a military relationship. So we just we stumbled and struggled through it and and we are still you know we are still met with different ego challenges but right overall i'm flourishing as a human being in this love style um and you can probably like see that even in the short time that you have witnessed me even a little bit just how i'm changing Mm -hmm. so polly um polly is just changing me in very, very, very great ways. Right. I, I haven't known you very long. I would say, you know, really less than a mm-hmm. year since I've met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my impression of you has been one that you you seem very happy. Like you seem like you're, you know, very radiant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's new. <laughs> oh. That's new. That's like a year a year and a half um, in the working. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, everything kind of settling into my system and into my psyche and me, you know, coming out as the goddess that I am. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what it so, is. Right quick, um, 
what type of fears did you have around um, the masculine um, and how did you overcome them? Like what type of issues were kind of coming up for you? Because I can imagine, you know, um, being married for for a while and mm-hmm. you know, maybe come out that going in a different paradigm, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. What was that like? For yeah. You? Um, to be honest, it was super scary at times. You know, it was mm-hmm. super scary at times because in the monogamous culture that we live in, in the patriarchy, misogynistic uh, rules, I was owned and I was defying my owner. And that's what mm-hmm. it felt like. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like that for me and for him. And so we had to deal with, you know, me feeling like I betrayed my owner, you know, and my owner feeling like I was no longer worthy of being owned by him. But however, 10, what, 10 years and a couple of kids and a dog, there's a deep love that's there. So that's what, you know, gets you through outside of the conditioning that we experience that innate human nature, you know, of unconditional love comes in and you're able to say, okay, I know society says that I should throw this away. I should throw the, the baby out with bathwater, but, you know, I've, I have assets with this woman, with, with this man. I have you know, memories. My family is her family. Her family is my family. And, you know, I really don't deserve all of her love after everything that, you know, I've, I've put her through etc. So there was a lot of getting past shit that mm-hmm. we had to do and it was difficult because you're talking about we're super matrix minds because not only did we have the patriarchy behind us and religion behind us, we're military as well. Mm-hmm. So we always have a master of our mind telling us the right way to do things. So going up against that mentally for me was easier than it is for him because he is still attached to the system whereas I'm retired so I have freedom now I can say mm-hmm. what I want to say I can I can smoke a blunt in Jamaica and post it <laughs> you know right so so I just have a, a different level of freedom than he has and so um, until you're able to actually experience that freedom you can't even understand what it feels like to get your toe wet so right. We have two very different views of how life should be going right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you two are navigating it, you know, um, relatively well. You know, you you understand the ages that you love each other and you want to be with mm-hmm. each other. And, and the, what the big picture, what the big picture is, and yeah. you know, you're still able to get your needs met for what it seems like. Yeah, that that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly right, and. As you know, we ebb and flow together, but also apart. And so there's always that, you know, when he is at his crescendo on something, I'm on A and vice versa. We're never like at the same place at the same time, but we're mm-hmm. always like in the same um, verse. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're in the same verse, just never like, you know, on the same mark. Got you. Do you, um, so when it comes to to men in general, have you always like trusted that the men that you would pick or that would be in your life would show mm-hmm. up for you in the way that you wanted? Um, did you ever? No, have... that's no? an interesting question. And here here is something that um, I think I'm going to speak for most women who were raised without uh, positive masculine in their lives. 
you really don't have a template. So Mm -hmm. what you're going by is what you see around you. So if all you saw around you was a bunch of absent fathers and neglectful men and and entitled men, you know, not working and laying up on women and women allowing it to happen, then that's your standard. Mm -hmm. And so you have cognitive dissonance because you know that that's bullshit. And am I allowed to say bullshit? Yes, you can. Okay. So you know it's bullshit. You know it doesn't it doesn't feel right, but that's been your norm. That's what you saw your aunties and your mom deal with. That's what you've dealt with. Your father wasn't around. And so all of those emotional um, neurotransmitter cocktails that you have to concoct to get through life in those early ages regarding the masculine and, and how you fit into life in general with the masculine is all developed then. And so you develop these cocktails, which is why like some men say, why is it that women like the bad boys and women like men like this and that? Women like their fathers. And if their father was a bad boy and he was absent and she designed cocktails, imprints in her mind of normalcy and comfort with that dysfunction, with that level of dysfunction, that's her comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's going to take a lot of inner work to get yourself out of that cocktail to get yourself out of out of that spiral because you know it's not serving you but it feels it hurts so good mm-hmm. and so um dealing with the masculine has been very very tricky for me just because i did not have um, positive masculine um imprint i don't have i can't think of anyone that i grew up around that showed me what today as a 40 something year old woman I would say I would want my daughter to find and love mm. so so I'm building that and so this is another thing that women of a certain age are faced with we are doing the inner work on changing you know that whole schema that whole neurotransmitter cocktail of comfort with bullshit men and then, you know, because if, if we're actually comfortable with it, that's actually what we're innately attracting. And so until we change that level of comfortability, then we cannot attract what we want. So there's just so many different processes going on at once within a woman with, with what we call daddy issues. And I am a woman with daddy issues. And I didn't realize that until, you know, joining PLA and doing shadow work and tracing my triggers and lacing mm. and, and doing all of those things. But as it turns out, you know, we just don't even know how to be with the masculine. We we see a design, we see it written down and all these things, but as far as being comfortable with it, you know, it, it, it's uncomfortable. It's beautifully uncomfortable because I'll tell you, being around peaceful warriors is, is very soothing, but it also, I feel like kind of an alien on a different planet. And it's like, why is it so peaceful here? You know, mm-hmm. why am I why am I getting all of this support? And I know I'm getting it. I, I'm somehow attracting it. So when you start attracting it, you know that that shadow work is working and that you are changing the narratives that have like driven your relating practices for all of these years. And um, you get excited, like, oh my God, I'm attracting, you know, these people to me I'm attracted to these people to me so I finally you know I'm finally believing this I'm finally understanding this so the relationship with the masculine for me only improved after um, intermingling or interacting with peaceful warriors 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you were saying that um, one thing I thought was interesting, you were saying like difficulty and kind of accepting support. Right. Um, yeah, because because little no no go ahead. Little girls um, who are raised by a mother who has to be in both the feminine and the masculine, we learn to be the mom and the dad. So we learn to be, you know, the ATM. We learn that we cannot count on anyone to help us. That everything that we acquire in life is going to have to be, you know, by our own hands. That's just, you know, we watch our moms grinding, working two jobs, watching grandma help support her supporting us um, but what we don't see is the masculine showing up in certain ways so we get to these levels and then you find a divinely masculine man who wants to take care of you and place you in your feminine and see your fairy just fly happily and glow and you are just taken aback mm. you're like so for me like Dwayne and Daryl Mooney they are that for me you know um Mm-hmm. But they're very intentional in helping me to understand what happened and what is disconnected so that I can connect the dots and receive what, you know, I what I am seeking, what I'm searching for and what I feel like I deserve. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every woman is not going to have a guide and that's unfortunate. But all that to say, um, you know, when we watch our, our moms struggling and working these jobs and paying all the bills, you could have a man right next to you and you're reluctant to ask him for help. You you know, because you, you aren't trained that way. You're trained that a woman is yin and yang. We are we have to do it all. And so if for a lot of women, they don't know how to relax and, and be in, in their fairy. They don't have a guide to tell them that, hey, you're supposed to have ease, joy, and bliss in your life as a woman. You're supposed to be flowing. You're not supposed to be out here you know with all this masculine energy bossing people around and you know being closed up and inorgasmic Mm -hmm. so yeah right um no i think that's very interesting as you say that and the one thing i've noticed too is um even with some of my clients or people that i've worked with uh even or even partners that they may even have grown up with their dad like their dad was like connected to Mm -hmm. them in their house Mm -hmm. but um, there still was a narrative, like maybe he was gone a lot, you know what I'm saying? Maybe oh, he was yeah. a lot, or maybe he, you know what I'm saying? But they still had that same kind of expectation that men wouldn't show up in a certain way and they weren't mm-hmm. getting what they needed, you know? So, and that's the problem, is that we have the expectation that you aren't going to show up. How do we break through that? How do we break through that and, you know, and say, I don't want that expectation anymore. I don't want to just say that I don't have that expectation. I, expectation. I don't want to have that expectation anymore. This is what I expect, you know. Um, so that that's what's missing it. And you hit on a valid point because in all of my studies of human behavior amongst my friends who were raised in two parent homes, I have found that a lot of them are just as jacked up, <laughs> you yeah. know, as I am. And so what it boiled down to is families having support you know it's having support like even if it did have to be an auntie to watch the kids to to allow mom to work you know two jobs or whatever or when grandma was stepping in or grandma kept the kids for the summer or whatever kids who have support are the ones who thrive you know in life having the masculine is excellent but just having the masculine having divine masculine and having a piece of dick around are two completely different things 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what women don't really understand. Right. For our for the audience, um, I understand what you're talking about, but could you maybe define what a divine masculine is or what that is or how that shows up? Yeah, so um, yes, I can. Uh, divine masculine, to me, divine is, is top notch. Divine is everything you thought it would be, whether it's food, sex or whatever, it's, it's the best. So as far as a man, a man who is operating in his yang and in his masculinity, he is a leader. He is he practices self-mastery at all times. He's always trying to do better. Um, he is self-regulated. He is authentic. You know, he's passionate. He's tantric. Um, he is not selfish. You know, he he's just he's beautiful. So and then that's to me divine masculine. And so when I when I think about, you know, a person and that's what I do I do think of some of the peaceful warriors and I think about the level of support that like Daryl will give me he will see me make a post and he will feel what I'm feeling and he'll give me a call and say how can I support you mm-hmm. and he's not the only one that I get that level of support from but when he calls and says how can I support you I'm thinking I don't know how can you support me and then he'll <laughs> tell me well yeah, he's like, well, you, you posted something the other day and, and I saw that, you know, I saw that this is, I feel like this is what you want and do you need any support with getting that? And then I, I'm thinking, yeah, I would love to have some support with that, you know, And but how can you support me? And he said, well, first, we can start with focusing your affirmation around things like, what do you want? And then I would tell him what I want and he would tell me that I'm saying it all wrong and tell me that I need to be writing it down and I need to be focusing my energy on it every day and just teaching. Divine Masculine teaches. Mm-hmm. They teach um, They teach out of a place of love and just wanting to see women flourish because they understand that when women flourish, the whole community flourishes. Mm-hmm. So then you have Dwayne Mooney who wants, wants the women to get their money right doesn't want us to have to depend on anyone he wants to see us well and glowing and on vacation and in our ferry and looking more and more beautiful every time he sees us and that's not something that every man is walking around giving you that is antithetical to the patriarch because patriarch says cover the woman that you own up give her your last name cover her up cover her beauty she is now your consummate mother whore Mm-hmm. And um, it is very, very smothering. But it is something that we as women in this society, that's our norm. We we lean towards that. That's what we want in life. We want to find an owner, a husband. We want to find a man to own us. We want to have kids. We want everything that the patriarchy and capitalism said was important. But mm-hmm. what the divine masculine gives you is pieces of yourself, not pieces of the system. Mm-hmm. So basically, in a way, kind of um, helping you to learn to cultivate your own um, masculine energy in a way to where you can access it and use it to benefit you, but you can still live in your feminine. Is that correct? They teach us, ba- they teach us balance. They teach balance. us the importance of having both, mm-hmm. but but they they emulate balance they emulate they show us the type of support that the masculine in my opinion was built for your bodies are stronger than ours there's there's certain things you can take the lead on they alchemize your bagua so visionary and leader and 
they can help you to alchemize that to where you're winning. Right. And um, so, but you know, every man is not walking around in his divinity. And so that's what we're left with. A handful of women who get this, get this work, who get this support. But, you know, other women are, are stuck in, in, in ownership. They don't even, they're not even open to having other masculine energies in their orbit because, you know, capitalism doesn't, definitely doesn't want to see the woman winning. Right. So, um, well, and just for the audience's um, benefit, when we say things like peaceful warrior, um, Bagua, things like that, these are terms that we get from the Progressive Love Academy School of Thought. So oh, anybody, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. No problem. If anybody wants to know more about that, please go to Progressive Love Academy. Um, there's a marvelous online school and academy that is really, in my opinion, the best way to learn how to be polyamorous and to open relate um, in, a, in, a, in a loving, better way. Mm-hmm. Um, so now to, just to pivot right quick on something that you just said I think for some people uh, especially maybe some men listening to something like that when they mm-hmm. hear you describe that um, something that I've kind of heard come up on like YouTube and like in, in the zeitgeist of the day has been men with the belief that if true polyamory was widespread and, main, and mainstream that mm-hmm. all women will only want like a handful of men, just like a certain type of men, and then mm-hmm. everybody else wouldn't wouldn't get any at all. What what are your think thinking on? Hey everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Um, I don't. I think that's a beta way of thinking, and I know a lot of people don't do the beta alpha, but I love the beta alpha. I love to be mm-hmm. able to put things in context using those terms. So mm-hmm. I think that's beta thinking because. If you look at history, whenever there is a strong leader, whether it be male or female, people want to emulate that person. And it Mm -hmm. it boils down to iron sharpens iron. So when you see a man of a certain stature, you know, when you see Rakim Sekou or Dwayne Mooney, and how are they managing all these relationships, these lovingly managing these relationships? How is people like Troy Burnett? And I know your audience probably won't know these people, but I'm just naming some people who other people want to be like. They want mm-hmm. to to know what is, where's the sauce? Where's the sauce? And that's the whole idea because iron sharpens iron. So you need people that can stand in their square and have other people come up to them versus having people trying to just be around them. You need, you need men of a certain stature and women of a certain stature and position to stand firmly in their square show their greatness and have other people want that in their lives and want to figure out how to get to that level of thinking that level of wealth that level of living that level of bliss and joy you know you need examples or else I mean prime example is when you have a kid raised in a certain area that's all they aspire to have you know that's Mm -hmm. all they that's all they see so if, if what you see is what you see, then that is that becomes your template. But if you see something different, if you see a couple of basketball stars getting scholarships, you know, to go to college and have wealth, then you have all the little boys practicing their basketball game because they want to they want to be like that guy. They want to be like Mike. So we, we need people to 
look at it from a I'm setting an example standpoint versus a you're trying to outdo me standpoint. People mm. need to be more open to elevation and ascending. Right. Um, and that's something I think I was fortunate to kind of get uh, when I met Kenya and Brock Kim. Um, I was mm-hmm. able to, you know, um, really kind of get on that vibe. And I've never been the person to be jealous, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to like, you know, do something different. Like I had a whole, that's a whole story. <laughs> I'm not going to go into Right. That. Yeah. But it definitely was my experience when I first met mm-hmm. Because look at you now. Now you're doing podcasts. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah. it's like the sky is the limit. What's next? But you know what? Um, were you doing podcasts last year? No, I wasn't. You know, I did a lot of work. Exactly. I've been doing a lot of work on myself in the past probably ten years or so since I met King and Brian. And um, mm-hmm. I do pretty well, you know, in the in the poly community. I feel like I have a, a certain amount of respect from um, mm-hmm. the ladies I've interacted with. You know, so yeah, uh, it, it definitely was um, an influence, though. <laughs> Of course. And that's what I'm saying. Like when you see people who say that, who tell you that you can create your life and you see them creating a life that you would have never dreamed possible. (laughs) And you're like, how how are they doing this? And you Mm -hmm. follow their lead and then you start creating, you start believing in yourself. You start writing down affirmations and manifestations and things start coming to fruition because you have a role model now. We have role models now. So we need role models and we don't need people to look at role models as the enemy. We need for people to understand that the reason you're triggered is because you want what they have and guess what? You can have it. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Um, just to piggyback off of what you said in terms of creating my life, um, that is a very it's a very high vibrational concept. It sounds simple, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to grasp. Mm-hmm. And it sounds um, good in the standpoint of creating the good things that you want for yourself. But when we really think about, um, and most people really think about it, they're going to think about when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever had a fear um, of harm from the masculine? Do you feel like men that were, that were hurt you, take a benefit sexually and how did you Mm -hmm. overcome those so i had you know a lot of in my family we're very very um we are very conditioned to the ways of the western world in my family from my grandmother down and so as a part of that family history we've had many women die at the hands of their owners men Mm. you know and so that was another fear for me becoming poly or practicing polyamory out loud because my mother, you know, she lost her best friend slash favorite cousin at the hands of um, a lover who did not approve of her no longer wanting to be in a relationship with him. He would, she would, Barbara wasn't the only one that she lost. She lost Olivia. There were several of them who were killed by their husband. So, you know, we hear these stories, these little girls going on and, and what it communicates to us is that if you step out of line, your owner has the right to discipline you to the point of death, you know? And so you have that fear lingering. You're going to be ostracized by the women in your family representing the women in the world who, you know, they are very strict monogamish types, you know, mm-hmm. and very, very Christian, very, their, their lives align completely with Western ways and slavery, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So um, 
having those stigmas surrounding your entire life really, really adds an element of fear to this whole um, progression in your life, this whole decision to enter a new paradigm. And really, it's not a new par- paradigm. It's more of to live authentically, you know, because we are supposed to be cookie cutter in the society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you know, we're not cookie cutter. We actually have our own brains and we have our own desires and we have our own uh, compasses, moral compasses inside of us telling us what feels right, what feels wrong. And most of the time it's antithetical to any um, top level conditioning or programming that's been laid, you know, upon our, our superpowers. So mm-hmm. when you start tapping into those superpowers, it's very, very scary because you you see you see anger like when you are having trying to have the conversation about tipping your toe into the poly pond and there's anger and there's elevated voices and there's you know um, reminders of how you're a scar you're going to be wearing scarlet letter and you're poor and your needs aren't that important enough for you to violate you know the conditions of our processes in this western culture Mm-hmm. So being faced with, and I think it's even more so terrible for a woman, obviously, because we are the ones who are owned. We are the ones who give up our last name to slave owners as well as our husbands, which for some is one and the same. And um, with all of those aunties in your head, you know, representing or telling you every day with judgment on their faces that you know, your ideas about finding your happiness are antithetical to uh, good morals and Christianity and you break out of that anyway you, you're really risking your life mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. so your, your life is is yeah depending yeah. on what type of husband you have owner you have family you have you're, you're risking that your life in the homeostasis of everything that you've known your entire life up until the point where you have that Harriet Tubman moment and I say Harriet Tubman moment because in the movie she had a choice to make between listening to the lies of her master telling her that he was not going to sell her and that he was going to allow her to stay with her family or jumping off of a bridge into a raging um, uh, little sea or, or river into a raging river and she just had to make that decision in a split second and she jumped and she didn't know if she was jumping to her death but she knew that spiritually she would die if she went back with her master because whatever he did at that point, just just being owned by anyone at that point was going to kill her. So she would rather take control of that and make take that leap. And she right. jumped and she jumped to freedom and she freed so many others. And so it's kind of like, I think Kenya and Rakim are like our Harriet Tubman. <laughs> <laughs> So what was your what was your leap moment? What was your moment that made you like say like I need to make this leap? And uh, regardless of the fears and the indoctrination kind of that you mm-hmm. kind of that were put on you, like what so got you? I, I was you know before you know, I was inundated with thinking about I was I was in slavery. I was in a master's program. I was the mother of two kids, one toddler and one young child. I was the wife and I was a superintendent of about 150 people in my job. Mm-hmm. So I never, ever had a chance to be with myself, to think, you know, to sit back and think about what I wanted. So when I retired in 2017, 
and I didn't have 150 troops and I was done with my master's degree and I didn't have a job and my kids were in school and my husband went to work, I met my reflection. I'm sure I manifested her somehow because I was just really, just generally unhappy. I met a reflection that showed me my life and I showed her her life. We had almost identical lives and we were both equally miserable. And we went about um, finding change in different ways. Uh, she she knew she had to go. So she, she did the full on Harriet Tubman and jumped off the bridge, her and the kids, and left. But for me, um, I think my husband was a little bit more amenable to listen to what I had to say and accepting some accountability for the state, you know, of our relationship at that time. So there was there was wiggle room. There was some space in my relationship to work through things. There was not that space in her relationship. He was total patriarchy. He would have eventually probably really hurt her had she stayed. So, but what it was was the reflection of walking around the track with her, working out with her and watching her when he came home at, at five o'clock in the evening with his very loud exhaust system. You could hear it down the street and you could see the fear on her face. And we would ask her, why, why are you afraid? And she's like, oh, I need to go in, gather the kids, go in the house, cook dinner, clean up, repeat, and she comes out to play the next day. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? Why are you running in the house when he comes? You, you can't sit outside on the park bench with your friends? But even though physically, she showed the signs of being owned. Mentally, I had the same thing going on with myself. So um, realizing that I don't think I was put on placed on this earth to have a life that I, I don't enjoy, you know. And then I then I started itemizing. I started looking at the different uh, areas of my life and kind of tallying up my my happiness meter in mental, emotional physical realms and you know I was like okay I was honest with myself I, I'm not you know this is not what I wanted you know I mm -hmm. definitely didn't think the white picket fence situation was going to be so vanilla mm. you know and so unexciting and so just like yeah right you know and and I want more but what really threw me into the deep end is when my mother passed in June and I think she Generally, she had a pretty good life, but she still did not live a free life. And I think that the depression that I saw in her eyes all the time, she had chronic depression that was undiagnosed, um, was because she was, you saw the movie Get Out, right? Yes, ma'am. I did. <laughs> yes. Did you see the movie Get Out? I did, yes. Okay, so you remember the look that all those people who were in the system had on their faces, that fake joy that they had, the eyes that were crying while their face was smiling. Right. My mom carried that all the time. And so when she passed away, I, I kind of vowed to myself that I was going to live. You know, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to live. And she, I remember hearing her call on Jesus, that Jesus never showed up for her. And mm. so a lot of my chains were broken during her death process of mm. what I would believe about life and how I would... I didn't want to wait for the pearly gates to experience happiness, you know, because mm -hmm. I damn sure wasn't seeing her being happy on her way out. So I figured, okay, I'm going to have to either, you know, I'm going to have to live the get out life or I'm going to have to figure out what makes me happy. 
And so I just started exploring and just even saying that started bringing people and opportunities to me to have what I wanted. And then I'm hearing Kenya every other day. I create my life. I create my life. You are God. You are goddesses. You, you know, you have power. And it's like, I have power. I thought, you know, you're coming from Jesus having all the power and you're telling me I'm a goddess. And actually most of this shit I've been doing on my own, (laughs) you know, so, um, I would say that it was not any one significant emotional event. It was a combination over a three-year process of significant emotional events and revelations and manifestations um, that I had that came to fruition. People um, entering my life because of something that I told the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that I, I said you know, I brought, I drew it to myself. I started believing it and attracting it and it started happening. And once that starts happening and you realize you actually do have power. Oh, so then you see me, you know, I think I told Dwayne, I wanted to, I told Dwayne last November, I wanted to have enough money to travel without having a job. He was like, you can do that. And I told the universe this, then Dwayne appeared and he talk to me about investing and things like that and of course I had never done anything outside of a 401k and a traditional savings account but Mm -hmm. he talked me into investing and then once I once it finally clicked I was able to understand the system and invest enough to fund myself traveling monthly so all of these things happening together showed me that I can I don't have to be afraid of wanting things of having desires I can ask for what I want in this life, you know, mm-hmm. and I can attract it and I can be magical and I can accept that I do have superpowers and that, um, you know, I'm not a part, I'm no longer a part of the program. I don't have to rely on Jesus and, and Yahweh and, and whoever else, you know, it's me. And so just taking that control of your entire life, every aspect of your life is what I had to do. And it hasn't been easy. It's, it's a struggle every day to like go up against you know people who are spouting old program to mm-hmm. you you know and trying to put you in your place and things like that but you just have to you have to understand that we only have but so much time in this realm and so you may as well figure out what makes you happy and go for it right yeah and I definitely understand and back to what you were saying about you know the patriarchy um my personal feelings, just the way I, I kind of see it, like, I don't believe that a patriarchy system in itself is bad um, mm-hmm. or like, very harmful, but I do feel like uh, the way our patriarchy was set up and how it was manipulated or not really manipulated, I'll say corrupted by misogyny is what got us yes. to the point that we're now. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. and I believe that there is a, you know, um, a culture of divine masculinity that a patriarchy really be good could be good for everybody because um, yeah. it's not really about who's in front it's just about like you know how who's they respect leading. the other yeah correct you know what I'm saying one question I want to ask because I, I know that some men uh, maybe not people listening to this but I know some men um, in general may have this thought I want to get your opinion on it okay what would you say to men who would hear what you're saying about marriage monogamy um the traditional way that things have kind of worked and say mm-hmm. and those men who may feel that you sound feminist well 
I would say feminist. <laughs> I would say they would say that you would sound maybe ungrateful or mm-hmm. you know feel like you like like very offended that you pretty much are comparing marriage, uh, traditional marriage, to slavery. Um, what would you regard? How would you respond to men who would think that? I would just say, look at slavery and look at monogamous marriage in our culture. Give up her last name. In slavery, the slaves gave up their whole name. Why do we not direct indication of ownership? You know, so little things like that, um, I would say, just challenge everything. Um, The man has for her hand in marriage. So we have to wait. We have to do the most. Um, hop on one foot with dishes on our heads trying trying to get you to the point where you would want to have that ownership why can't their hand in marriage why isn't that the norm you know I just think that um, if if they were here slavery with the way that western world marriage is set up they would definitely be um, parallels for sure all right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, what would you say to women to women who like maybe who would have just heard that and say, "Well, I take pride in taking my man's last name," and they don't <laughs> see that as a sign of they see it as a sign of covering? Maybe. Like, what would how would you respond to that? I would say everyone has choices to make, and maybe the, I know a lot of women who what seems to be masculine men the men that they're married to. They're normally older women. Um, mm-hmm. but they both comfortable in gender roles. You know, I wouldn't knock any any woman who is happy with her situation. Right. So so basically you're saying like people who when you really speak, you're speaking to people who feel trapped or stuck in what they are and you're giving them um, kind of yeah. points to say like you don't have to be stuck and look at it from these angles to see that you do have other options. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So if you're happy, I'm happy for you with, with whatever you're doing in right. health. But I just know for a fact that there are people out there who are struggling with cognitive dissonance. Yeah, and I can understand how some people who maybe just don't really understand where you're coming from um, will look right. at it in a particular way. Like, oh, you're talking about this like this and you seem like this or anti this, but that's not what you're doing at all. Um, no. And I just kind of want to make that clear to people who may not really understand mm-hmm. the to- if they really vibe with the- my perspective <laughs> right because um, for me personally I understand the term ownership being very um, divisive and, mm-hmm. yeah so for me I like to say but I think I do think that there is an aspect of that that is in divine mm-hmm. masculinity work. so I would say that I would like to claim all of my women like I, I claim them as somebody that I protect, that I that I guard, that I love, and they can still do whatever they want. But I claim you under my mm-hmm. umbrella, my, uh, my envelope or umbrella of masculinity. Protection. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's just how I like to kind of come at it. Yeah, and I mean everybody. <laughs> if, if you line five people up and ask them, they're gonna answer it totally different ways, and so. Yeah, definitely. I, I respect people's positions, opinions. I had a, a very, very good chief that I really had so much respect for. 
he was a great leader. Um, it seemed like he had a, a well-organized um, family, loving family and all this and that. And then I found out that he wasn't a Christian. Because I get it right. from like my, my, my one cousin. She has no problem with being on my post telling me that where to stick it. You know, and that I'm going, I'm going to hell. I have this other friend who tells me, am I going to see you at the pearly gate? And that just, <laughs> did you really just ask me if I was going to see you at, at the pearly gate? <laughs> so, so uh, but, I had a but it's a conversation that, huh? That's how I had a conversation like, like that with my mom, because uh, she yeah. was talking about, like, well, I can't go to heaven or hell for you. I'm like, what are you, what am I doing that I will be a contender to go to hell? Like, I just love a lot of women. Like, what, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they all know about it. And that's what I'm you have your nature. Then you think, why would God put me on this earth feeling if everything I feel is wrong? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense and then then why do we have these rules around monogamy that nobody's really following so really the, the veil started like coming down for me over the course mm-hmm. of three or four years in many different um, yeah I get that and one thing mm-hmm. I think um, it's not really a suggestion but you know just in my personal opinion um, you can and I feel like for women who really want to get these points across um Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes they they run to a lot of contention when they blame you know the patriarchy itself because yeah. it, it kind of sounds to a lot of people like you're just blaming like the system or the way or things because if you blame that for the bad things you have mm-hmm. you can't really do it without um, not acknowledging the good things that was brought and for me I feel like the better argument um, again this is just not really suggesting just just my personal observation. I feel mm-hmm. like it's better to instead of blaming the patriarchy, it's just blaming mm-hmm. the the real problem, which is the concept of misogyny, of that women are equal. Because that's really what mm-hmm. you know. Um, in essence, feminism was created to um, dismantle was that notion of misogynistic thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it kind of got framed in a way to where it became very divisive and hard for people to really listen to what mm-hmm. people are trying to say because their egos would get, you know, um, subverted. Definitely the way the system was designed um, was women are inferior, you know, and so yeah, in a yeah, lot of ways, we, we're inferior. Right. right. I, I 100% agree. And um, and again, that's just for me, in my mind, mm-hmm. I just separate the two. Uh, to me, yeah. I, I think they, you could say they work together, which they definitely do. But in my mind, mm-hmm. I kind of see... I kind of view the misogyny and the patriarchy as two separate entities. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just, you know, again, my mind, how I see things. <laughs> well, well, offline, <laughs> let's discuss that a little bit more. I'm, I'm, yeah, I can. will, I will, I'd love to dialogue on that, on that topic. But this has been great. I really appreciate you doing this for me and being here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely love for you to have you on again. Um, and maybe we could dive into some of those other topics. Um, um, again, get a little bit more I feel like though, if we go into that stuff, it could be a little bit more, um, a little bit more thought provoking, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to yeah. keep my show not very, you know, debatey, more intellectual uh-huh. discourse, like I said. But I'm still like right. to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening here and tuning in for this um, for this segment. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to have a brand new episode of Noble Relations.